Letter forty two of Young Americans Abroad or Vacation in Europe Travels in England, France, Holland, Belgium, Prussia, and Switzerland. Edited by J. O. Chules. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter forty two Strasbourg. Dear Charlie, James's long letter gave you a pretty correct view of our passage from Koblenz to Frankfurt. You will recollect that we went up the Rhine, which gave us more time to look about, but I fancy that in going downstream the shores would show to better advantage, if possible, than in the ascent. From Koblenz to Mayence the river is narrower than before, and every rock more precipitous than its neighbor has a castle. How some of these towers were built or could be got at seems a mystery. I have no idea of the number of these robbers' nests, for such they were. Much as I love the Hudson, yet I cannot help saying that the Rhine is the river of the world, so far as I have seen the watery highways. Frankfurt is one of the free towns of Germany, and lies on the main. It has about sixty-five thousand inhabitants, of whom seven thousand are Jews. I like the city much, and think a residence here would be very agreeable. Some of the modern streets are very handsome, and the dwellings are fine. The old part of the town is old enough. At our hotel we found a sentinel on guard, in honor of an Austrian general staying at the house. The house is a capital one, like all the other great hotels we have yet seen on the continent. We all went to see the Romer, or town hall, which was built about 1425, and which is quite famous for its historical associations. Here the German emperors were formerly elected and inaugurated. We saw the great hall where they were entertained, and had crowned heads for waiters. Here, on its walls, are all the portraits of the series of emperors from Conrad I to Francis II, and each emperor has his motto underneath. Some of these are quaint enough. Directly in front of this building is the Romerberg, or market-place, in which the carousing incident to coronation used to occur, and it is large enough to accommodate a vast assembly. We rode along the banks of the river to see a pretty little palace belonging to Duke somebody, and especially to see the grounds and hothouses. They were exquisitely beautiful. As we were here upon a holiday of the church, the museum was closed, and we lost the sight of some good pictures. We were much pleased with a visit to the garden of Mr. Bethman, a banker, where we saw a pretty little collection of statuary, the gem of which is Daniker's statue of Ariadne. The building in which these are placed is neat. We, of course, went to see number 74 in the Hirschgraben, where Goethe was born, in 1749. In the corner-house of the Domplatz, Luther once dwelt. We rode through the Jews' quarters, and of all the wretched-looking streets, I think the worst and filthiest is that in which Baron Rothschild was born. As we passed a Sabbath here, we attended the English Episcopal Church, a neat building. The service was well read by the chaplain, and an excellent sermon was preached by a stranger. After service I spoke to the chaplain, who was quite anxious to hear about the prospects of popery in America. He seemed to have very just views of the system, and anxiously deprecated its influence in our country. We visited many shops, and found the richest collection of curiosities and antiques. Here we met with several American friends upon their tour, and at Frankfurt we took leave of our New York friends, whose kindness and agreeable company we had been favored with for a few days. We took the rail for Heidelberg on our way to Strasbourg. The whole of the first few miles was through very flat-looking country, and our interest was not called out till we came to Darmstadt, a fine town with 30,000 inhabitants. 
We saw a tall column, but could not find out its historical allusion. This is the capital of the Grand Duchy of Hesse-Darmstadt. In passing through Oldenwald, we saw a tract of woody country, and off to our left we were quite sure that the scenery must be very beautiful. The hills in the distance form the boundary on the eastern part of the valley of the Rhine, and the mountain ranges are richly covered with vineyards and castles all the way, parallel with the railroad. This beautiful region is called the Bergstrasse, and I am sure a week or two on these hills would amply repay the pedestrian. It is in these wild regions of romance that the castle of Rodenstein is found, some ten miles from Erbach, and not far from it Cashel Schnellert, where the wild Jäger is supposed to live, who haunts the forests and gives spectral forewarnings of battles. Off to our left there was a constantly shifting panoramic view of hilltops and ruins. Heidelberg is sweetly situated on the bank of the Neckar, a beautiful river, and one that I long to trace by its course through wood and hill. This town is famous for its university and castle. It has about seven hundred and fifty students. We could only see the castle and admire its exterior. The college was founded in 1386, and is very distinguished as a law school. The library is very large and excellent. The barbarian Tilly is said to have provided litter for his cavalry from books and manuscripts out of this then magnificent collection. The ruin of this glorious old castle dates from 1764, when it was burnt by lightning. It is built of red stone. If I live, I hope to visit this place again, and make a thorough exploration of this stupendous ruin. It is here, in a cellar, that the largest wine-butt in the world is found, and it will contain eight hundred hogsheads. It has been long empty, however. I never long to follow a river more than I do this same necker. It is so clear, and all my glimpses of it have been so filled up with quiet beauty and wild scenery. We saw a hill near the town, which affords the finest view, we are told, in Germany, and even takes in Strasbourg Cathedral Spire, which is quite ninety miles off. From Heidelberg we again took the cars for Kell, about four miles from Strasbourg, a distance of nearly ninety miles. The first-class cars are very luxurious and reasonable, second-class excellent, and very genteel-looking persons using them. Lord Cowley, father of Lady Bulwer, wife of the minister from England at Washington, was in the cars with us, and two of his children, one a beautiful little girl. They were going to Baden, and were accompanied by a governess. We found no more of the extraordinary beauty that had made our morning ride so charming. Bruchel seemed a dull place, as seen from the station, and Durlach had not much greater attractions. Karlsruhe is quite a place, has some repute for its baths, and is the capital of the Grand Duchy of Baden. Off to the south of this town we saw the skirts of the Black Forest. All around we saw a fine growth of poplars. Passing Etlingen and Mergensturm, we came to Rostad, rather a pretty station, and the town is fortified. At Os our passengers for Baden took a branch train, which after three miles' ride brought them into the famous Baden-Baden. We reached Kell, which is a mere village on the Rhine, but has seen enough of war. Here we took an omnibus and started for Strasbourg, distant some four miles. When we reached the French custom-house over the river, we had quite a searching time, and even a flask of cologne was taxed some twenty cents. We were weary enough, and glad to get into quarters, which we established at the Ville du Paris, a very superior house, with excellent rooms and elegant furniture, while the cookery was perfect. 
"'Tomorrow we will have enough to see and do. "'Tonight we shall retire early, but go where we may, "'we shall furnish you with the promised account of our wanderings. "'Yours affectionately, J.O.C.' End of letter 42. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.